Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Illuminate with Lizzie podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Q, and I am so excited for you all to dive into another juicy episode. I have the honor of interviewing a dear friend of mine, Faith Marie. Faith is a new earth leader, mother, healer, and owner of the Heart Center for Awakening in Seattle. You may have heard the term new earth before or new paradigm shift, and in this episode, we dive into what this is really all about. What does it mean to be part of the new earth? What is it like to serve as a new earth leader? And does everyone have a role to play in the new paradigm? We'll be unpacking all this in this episode. Faith also talks about her spiritual awakening journey and the exact moment that everything shifted for her. You'll get to hear how she has navigated the soul lessons she signed up for and how she's integrated them into her life as well. Let this episode inspire you to take your power back, to claim your place in the new earth, and to trust in in your healing journey. I hope that you all enjoy this expansive, thought-provoking conversation. And without further ado, let's begin. Hello, Faith. Welcome to the Illuminate with Lizzie podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> what an honor. Hey. So for listeners that don't know you, could you give a little introduction of who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Faith. Marie, and I am the owner of the Heart Center for Awakening. It's a yoga studio and healing center, um, space for community to come together in ceremony, movement, and healing. And um, within the Heart Center, I practice Reiki, I lead Reiki trainings, and I teach yoga and lead yoga teacher trainings and also do one-on-one healing sessions. Yes, definitely. And I have been a part of those as well. So I met Faith a year ago. It's been, yeah, it's been a year now. And so much has happened in the span of a year. And to anyone that's listened to my episode on hospitals, heartbreaks, and miracles, I talk about a friend that comes to visit me at the hospital, the only friend that I actually felt comfortable to come visit me. And it's Faith. So here she is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So you are all. I need to me. listen to that episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Your story is so incredible. And just seeing you go through that was like so intense and so inspiring. And I just can't believe, you know, what you were chosen to go through and, and how you did it. It's, it's really miraculous and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of that, especially because we're all on our own journeys and it's wonderful how our lives can intertwine and how they impact one another as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the very first question, well, I guess second now that I would love to ask you is what does illuminating from within mean to you? And when do you feel like you illuminate from within? Hmm. Illuminating from within, to me, means connecting with source and allowing that light in to myself. And then from that inner filling, allowing it to radiate outwards. And I would say this happens to me in spontaneous moments when I'm walking outside, receiving codes from the sun or um, just grounding from Mother Earth. And sometimes in moments of meditation or um, doing light language and channeling sounds um, through my body, that's when I can really feel filled consciously and then allow that to radiate outwards. Or that's just a natural byproduct, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. And that takes a level of being present and being aware as well. So yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. For your work in in owning the Heart Center and owning a business and being a new earth leader, spiritual leader, what has the path looked like to getting there? And mm. I would love to hear more about what the path has looked like getting there. When did you spiritually awaken? Were you always spiritual as a kid or did all of this just come to you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, that's a big question. And, um, you know, I never consciously chose to be a spiritual leader. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I was put through several initiations and the more I rose to those challenges, the more 
I would land myself in a place where suddenly I had something to offer. And the more I realized I'd cleared a path behind me for people to walk along with more ease. So I guess that's what landed me in a leadership position. But um, yeah, as a child, I was raised in a Christian family and I was very devout. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I always had good questions for my Sunday school teachers. And I was also very moved and sure of the concept of God. And I loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, But questions arose as I was exposed to friends outside the faith and um, schooling outside the faith. And then also in my teenage years, self-proclaimed Christians within my own family and community who seemed to not be feeling safe or aligned with like that purity that I felt from spirit. So um, yeah, I think I started on my path of inquiry as early as high school and I might've let go of my faith for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in a pretty dark place, I think all the way through college and then in college, late college is when I started to heal myself. I was living in Hawaii and the land really started helping connect me to my body and to my joy and happiness again. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started self-healing through poetry and, you know, catharsis through through that form of expression. Yeah. And, then, and then I found yoga and yoga helped me face some of the hardships that I'd endured in my early years. You know, I had a lot of family trauma when I was younger and um, it was all stored in my body. And yoga was very confrontational for me. It forced me to reckon with these painful feelings in my body and start to process them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I did a yoga teacher training in Nepal when I was 23 or 24. And Mm -hmm. then Um, stayed traveling for a long time with a lot of confusion within me still. And then I did my first Vipassana in India. Mm -hmm. That's a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And I think the ninth day of the Vipassana is when they have you commit to stillness for an entire hour. And so this was just my first opportunity to like confront the pain really fully that I was carrying. And yeah, I remember just sitting with it and feeling the pain increase, increase, and increase until it reached a point where I just had no outlet but to use my voice and like scream in the middle of this meditation wow. center. This moment that I screamed, I felt all of the forgiveness wash through me of like, wow, I forgive my father, I forgive my ex boyfriend, you know, I'm gonna let go of all that pain because it's not serving me to carry it. And think I made the choice, the decision in the same moment of even if other people won't accept me, it's not my job to make them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to still love me. So all of this like wisdom and all the layers of decision-making in the direction of self-love happened in this one moment. And I felt my wow. hips like open up and I felt wow. myself meditating for the first time, even though I was sitting there doing all the things Yeah, nine yeah. days straight. Um, it finally landed. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I think in that moment was the first moment that I was like, oh, I have something to offer. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story. It's so interesting how I feel like a lot, something that's very common in spiritual leaders or people that choose to use their pain as purpose is that they go through this confusion or this questioning and then it really is all about transcending that into the light mm-hmm. and you weren't even you didn't even know that you were necessarily doing it at the time right you're like I'm just I'm just doing this and it really hit you mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that do you feel like everybody has to go through this dark night of the soul to awaken or do you feel like there's a way towards awakening without going through pain or darkness? I think it's all cyclical, you know, before the illumination from within, like we were talking about, there's darkness and Mm -hmm. we are, consciousness is light, right? And we are all consciousness. Mm -hmm. And in order for the light to expand, we have to take it through these kind of dark tunnels, the death portal Mm -hmm. where there's nothingness, but then 
on the other side of that nothingness, our light gets to expand. And then we do it all over again. You know, I've been through so many dark nights of the soul and they get harder and harder every time. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend about this actually in my last episode about how the journey doesn't actually get any easier, but we just have more tools to use as we continue to progress in the journey. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because, you know, you would love to be like, yeah, it's totally easy after your first dark night of the soul, but it just a lot more comes your way because you're able to handle it really. Yeah. I think you might get better at it and it goes faster when you have community and you have the tools and it also somehow becomes a little bit joyful. Like, wow, I'm going through it. And and you can kind of just laugh and cry and be hysterical about it. And it's like, it's fine. I'm human. And it's like, not necessarily that much better than like, the highs, you know, they all start to blur together as like, this is life. And <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that is a beautiful perspective, a beautiful take on it. Because when you have that awareness, and that consciousness, you're like, I've done this before, just mm-hmm. now it's in a different part of my life or a different place where I need to heal. And remembering that you are a physical vessel having a temporary life experience, it's like, okay, let's do this. And you just buckle up and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever really questioned, oh, do I even really want to do this healing journey? Is it worth it? Um, You know, the first time I ever questioned it, even though I've been on this path for 10 plus years now, has been in my most recent awakening, Mm -hmm. which is like within the past couple of months, Yeah, um, where I was kind of shifting from a very masculine path back to the path of the divine feminine. And I kind of use terms like the path of the yogi to represent the warrior path that I've been on for a long time, shifting to the path of the goddess or the tantra path. Mm -hmm. So I'm back on the tantra path most recently. And it did have me questioning at first, like, what is the point of all of this? Am I even a spiritual person? Why do I use that label? Do I need to be in spiritual community? Do I need to have these disciplined practices? Like, Mm -hmm. who am I? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really disorienting for a while. But I think that's also part of this path of the goddess or the tantric path is just to see God in everything and to really let go of all the knowing that you knew on the more masculine path of like, this is hard work, but we're going to take one step at a time and put one foot in front of the other. And it's going to get me somewhere, (laughs) even if you don't know where that is. And with, with this new path that I'm on, which is like pendulum swing into the other direction, it's like the practice is surrendering, Mm -hmm. consistent surrendering and being okay with not knowing where you're going to land and just allowing everything to come towards you, which is honestly pretty juicy in comparison and it's disorienting at first but I'm actually loving it um now that I'm getting the hang of it and I just feel softer and and more nourished from others and from the universe you know and it's a pretty sweet spot to be in after all the hard work of, of the last cycle yeah absolutely and knowing you for a year now and seeing being able to see the cycles that you've gone through as well. There is such this beautiful feminine energy that emanates from you and it's so powerful and it's wonderful to see. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I love that you see that. I see that in you too. I think we're on parallel paths of like, this is hard AF when we met each other. It was like, wow. (laughs) How much pain, how much struggle can you take on? And like, we were just doing it. And then now it's like, oh, glad that's over. Now oh, I'm ready yeah. to like receive like, oh yeah. Free food. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to gift this to the universe? Thanks. Oh, money in the mail. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like that integration piece too of, oh my gosh, we've done so much work. Now it's really about taking that and integrating it. And Mm -hmm. like you said, receiving all the blessings. I feel like last year was this huge, not just for only for us, but I know so many people, divine feminines that went through some stuff. And it really did feel like 
actually, I know it was an initiation for so much of the feminine energy. It really was. And I'm noticing that not all women are necessarily on the same pendulum swing Mm -hmm. that you and I are, but I do think it's like the light workers on the front line. We're on this swing, (laughs) right? And there might be, you know, I have other friends and spiritual community who are swinging opposite direction right now. And that's, that's fine too. You know, we're all on different lines of the journey, but even though I've been on like the divine feminine path in the past, it feels brand new because of the amount and the capacity I have to receive this time around because of how hard I worked to build in the chapter before. So it's really just this divine dance and it's so beautiful. And honestly, I think for the first time, I'm actually in balance with both my inner divine masculine and feminine. Mm. And it's pretty, pretty awesome. I love that. I love that you said it's this divine dance and that like light workers on the front line. That's such an interesting. Yeah, I love that term because it's very true. And it's also what it feels like as well. Mm-hmm. How does it feel being someone that is a leader and that owns a business where people come to to really get to know themselves better, get to know spirit better and evolve as spiritual beings? Do you feel a lot of pressure with that? Mm. Not at all, honestly. Um, I think at the very beginning, you kind of asked this earlier and I never really addressed it, but yeah, at the beginning, I just, I knew I had a dream. I had a vision of, of opening up my own space and I knew it wasn't meant to be like any other yoga studio. I was trying to bring this very high frequency energy that I'd only experienced from retreat centers and like high vortex or vortices on the earth or high vibrational places on the earth. And I knew that that could transform Seattle. So that's what I wanted the heart center to be. And yes, I felt out of my element. Yes, I felt attacked by my shadow, by insecurities, by doubts, by other people's projections and judgments. But that was a huge initiation for me to just do it anyway, take Mm -hmm. one step at a time into the unknown and just trust in God more than my ego and just say, Hey, I was given this vision from the heavens. So of course it's meant to manifest. Like I have support behind me. I have angels guiding me. I have protection and yes, I'll make some missteps, but this is a path of trust. And so the very beginning was, was tough. Um, and then there've been a couple initiations since the opening in which everything I built had to crumble and be reborn. And it wasn't even really up to me. It was almost like the heart center's own consciousness, which was from God was like mm-hmm. pushing people out that no longer aligned and then like welcoming people back in. And I just had to like hold the line and say, yes, this is what we're doing. You know, like yeah. even if I have to fire everyone and start over I trust that in this rebirth, we will build a stronger community of more like-minded people and build Mm -hmm. a more cohesive resonance. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I did go from one type of wavelength and frequency to another, a couple of times I had to make these quantum leaps for the community and it did flush out all of our members and all of our staff a couple of times. And it was terrifying. And a big part of that was standing in my masculine strength and saying, this is what I believe. Mm. If you don't agree with me, then fuck off. And that was really hard work for somebody who had been conditioned to be agreeable and to be a good business owner by bending over backwards for everyone else and to almost lose my identity based on what other people wanted. I thought that that's what made me a good person. Mm. And then yeah, this kind of initiation into my own healed masculine energy was to speak my truth, even if no one else agrees, (laughs) speak my truth, even if my voice shakes, speak my truth, because I'm worthy of speaking my truth, whether or not people agree. And as I did that, I refined my frequency. And yes, I faced fear of loneliness and abandonment and uh, rejection, but I faced it standing in my own light. And eventually that brought in the most loving, high vibrational next round of people who are actually meant to be on this path with me. Right. And so there's always the reward after doing the hard thing, after listening to spirit and following that guidance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that honestly, that's what makes me a leader because most people are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And I am too, but I do it anyways. <laughs> I am yeah. definitely carrying some warrior in me. 
But um, at the same time, at this point on my path, I've definitely put down my weapons and I'm like not fighting anymore. That had its time and place. It's not, it's not my medicine anymore. So I think also being a leader, I have to be flexible and like knowing when to take up arms, when to protect the sacred and when to put them down and say, Hey, we're safe now. We can relax. We can trust. Mm -hmm. And having the discernment to know when is a leadership skill. Yes. Discernment is absolutely is huge in being a leader and knowing when it's best. Well, it's always best to trust yourself, to not let others tell you otherwise, or even gaslight you really. And Mm -hmm. I commend you for trusting in staying in your authenticity and what felt right for you rather than what your ego was telling you. Cause you easily could have been like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to play it safe. I don't want to shake things up. Let's just Mm -hmm. keep things how they are because I don't want any any negative energy or bad juju around here, but really you were creating a more sacred space by trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I mean, it's interesting because I just went through a separation and I think if I had taken that warrior spirit into my separation process, I probably would have cold turkey moved out in one day, said perfect alignment right away. And yeah. it might've been more traumatizing (laughs) to everyone around me. So it wasn't appropriate to apply that same method to the separation. Um, And so for the separation, I actually invited a lot of that kind of softness and compassion and let myself take, you know, five months to heal spiritually and emotionally first, and then slowly take the physical steps in the 3d to move my things. And yeah, And there are consequences to doing it that way as well, like feeling dissociated or feeling like half of me was in one place and half was in another. But in the end, I think that I exercised a balance of compassion and strength. And I'm so happy that now I'm fully moved into my new energy. And it feels that there was very little harm done to myself or others in the process. Yeah, yeah. And I'm positive the community has appreciated you for taking your time with that as well and being so thoughtful because that is a selfless thing to do, like caring for how your community is impacted by that as well. Because Mm -hmm. I know that also your separation definitely has an impact on the community and yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. I actually feel that I wasn't holding the community through this. I felt the community holding me. through the separation because I would show up to class to teach Uh crying about what I was going through but that was that grace I was giving myself that was leading it doesn't always have to be that warrior spirit you know and it's really incredible to hear how many people told me that my process gave them strength to leave their relationships or how many people comforted me because they'd been through something similar and how valid I was in feeling these things. And I can genuinely say that like, I feel healed through that separation. I think most people might take lifetimes to heal from a divorce or a separation yeah. like that, but but I was so just held and like given the space to be authentic in my emotions through the whole process that, um, yeah, I just feel so unscathed and like whole on the other side. And even with Owen, my ex-partner, we're still partners as co-parents and friends. And we held each other emotionally through all the difficulties of the separation. And mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful new 5D way to exist, I think, where we don't yeah. have to carry out the stories about how it's some horrible trauma that destroys mm-hmm. families. And like, actually, no, we set each other free. And that's like a bigger love yes. than, than staying married out of guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is absolutely a bigger love and being able to see it from this higher perspective of, okay, we love each other. We came into each other's lives for a reason and not holding on just because you feel like you have to. And I think that a lot of people may be holding on, whether it be to relationships or to certain things in their life that don't serve them anymore, even though it once did Mm -hmm. because of that fear. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the the scariest parts or one of the most painful parts is knowing that it served you at a time in your life and then knowing that it doesn't anymore. You're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for someone that is holding on to something that they feel like they should let go of, but they're holding on to it because there is that underlying love there? 
Mm. You know, I could give advice to just let go and let the love show you how the relationship is going to evolve. But I think that it's inevitable. You know, our ego can only cling to something for so long before it blows up in our face, you Mm. know, Mm. I would say to that person who's still clinging to something that isn't serving anymore, um, you're only going to make it harder for yourself by holding on, you know, like, yeah, you can hold on, but the universe is going to keep exploding the lesson in your face. And it's going to be more and more severe until you really get it right. And do you really want to put yourself through all of that? Yeah. (laughs) Or just let go and see, you know, because if this is meant for you, it'll appear for you in a new way on the other side. Yeah, I mean, even with my separation, there were moments of weakness where I was like, I can't do this. I want to stay. It's easier. It's more comfortable. But then I would get straight up like injured or like slapped in the face by like a fishing pole or something. And I would just be like, okay, I get it. This is not the right way. Yeah. Trying to like get injured further to get. (laughs) Yeah. And little things like that. And also sometimes it's harder to get a strong perspective on what's best for ourselves. But when we're making the right choice, things improve for everyone. Everyone gets aligned. And so when I was questioning myself as I was letting go of the marriage, what I saw in Owen and in my children was improvement in their way of interacting with the world. And, you know, Owen stepping into his own power and my kids feeling more relieved, you know, and for me, that was a beautiful reflection of, okay, this is the right direction, even if it felt confusing for myself. Yeah, yeah. And it is so true when you are in alignment, everything around you improves because you're reflecting, the universe is reflecting back to you what is true for you, what is meant for you, what is best for you, like the highest version of yourself that you can be having your actions reflect that. And it's so beautiful that you're able to commit to that, even through the tough times. Mm. I had a couple of sisters in the community who had gone through a separation in the year before, and they just happened to be my best friends. And I think Mm. subconsciously, I knew that I had to soon do what they were doing, but they both did their separations in such a compassionate and like slow and like creative way in different ways. And that gave me a lot of stepping stones to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw how much they were choosing love and they were choosing themselves and, Mm -hmm. and it was hard, but they were doing it. And that gave me strength Mm -hmm. and they were my guiding light. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said the community was there to hold you through this process because it is so just so powerful when we have other people that can relate, that can understand, that want to be with us in our journey. And we don't always have to have that warrior energy, like you said. What does this community mean to you? And what does the new earth really mean to you? What do you see the new earth as for people that have never heard of this term before, for people that are maybe new to it? You know, we hear the new paradigm shift. We hear these different terms of mass awakening. What does it really all mean? Yeah, well, my definition is that the new earth is a co-creation of everybody's vision of heaven on earth. And, you know, there are psychics out there, mystics who have channeled potentials of what new earth looks like, and they've expressed, you know, a more radiant and intricate spectrum of colors that we'll be able to perceive that DNA will restructure itself in a way to become crystalline and um, multi-stranded to create kind of longer, leaner bodies that last longer because of the technologies that can heal our bodies and Um, how we'll have access to high technology, but that it will be more fringe because we'll be more interested in communing together in almost like indigenous ways, but we will have access to like, you know, spaceships and things like that if needed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also have just heard that 5D is just a state of being where you can access different dimensions through your consciousness at any time of day, because it's almost like you're existing within a Merkaba or like a, a spaceship where yeah. depending on what frequency you tap into, you can experience different wavelengths. 
mm-hmm. of existence. So um, I think it's hard for the 3D mind to really fully conceive of what the 5D looks like. Yeah. But I do think that once you have access to the 5D through going through almost like that 4D rite of passage of facing darkness, facing evil, integrating that, you do come on the other side and then you have this ability to see multiple realities at once coexisting. And I do think that that is a prerequisite for existing in the 5D. Mm-hmm. Once in the 5D, it's actually much easier to manifest our dreams because yeah. the density is less lighter. And so it doesn't take as long to take our dreams into reality. It's not as much of a struggle. And I feel so far when I tap into the 5D energy, it just feels more effortless. The collaboration is there. The manifestation happens quicker when your heart is full of love and you ask for something, it appears faster. And the way that you can connect with people is deeper and more integrated. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm always in the 5D, but I definitely have access to some 5D tools and it's feeling like 2024 is a big portal for oh, people yeah. embracing this 5D frequency. Yeah. Yeah. I've been feeling that a lot too. There's something different about 2024 and even with kids nowadays, so many of them are really being able to embrace their gifts. I feel like parents are really allowing their kids to be their most authentic selves and understanding that embracing this consciousness that you have at such a young age is actually a gift. Mm-hmm. What has it been like being a mother in mm-hmm. this new age, in being part of this shift in consciousness as well. Have you applied any of your spiritual learnings to your children or have they even asked you about anything like that? You know, they're just getting to the age where I think I can ask them questions and hear their answers. But, you know, I've tried a lot to like, do you remember your past lives? And they're kind Mm -hmm. of like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes, you know, I can tell they're both very intuitive, but I'll ask them, okay, what is this plant saying to you? My daughter's a little more literal. And even though I know she can feel it, she'll often be like, it's not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and my son might say something like, he's saying poo poo pee pee, you know, <laughs> it's just like, okay, it's not yeah. working. But <laughs> I do try to just hint to the consciousness of the animals and plants and stone people. And um, my kids like to pick up treasures in nature and I'll, try to encourage them to leave an offering of tobacco or like yeah a prayer of gratitude and what else do we do they do like to say prayers at the table it's <laughs> beautiful before dinner um prayers of gratitude but yeah I try not to indoctrinate them too much into right. my beliefs I try to just let my energy teach them and they do have grandparents who are very much in the Christian church and so mm-hmm. sometimes that comes through but I try not to reject it or Mm. force it on them. I just let them observe and ask some questions and yeah. Yeah. And I think that's all we can do as parents, even though I'm not a parent, but um, knowing parents as well, have you ever felt any backlash from your family and exploring the spiritual journey, especially coming from a religious background? Oh yeah. I still, to this day, sometimes need to delete my posts off of Facebook because I know my family will see and I like getting condemning text messages from them. Although more and more, I just learned to ignore Mm -hmm. resistance to my authentic light, but it is definitely confronting, especially a lot of these concepts that are kind of cutting edge for me right now, especially embracing sensuality and like mm-hmm. um, how sex is enlightening and positive. That feels edgy for me to put out there knowing my my Christian family is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? What's going on? I'm like, oh, cringe. It's so intimate. But I also know that I felt the same way when I was talking about the moon cycles and they were thinking I was a pagan, you know, and I'm just at this point, they know I like do moon circles and I have tattoos of the moon and they're kind of like, I guess we lost that battle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And at some point they're going to be like, okay, she's like a tantric alchemist. (laughs) Let's just ignore that if it makes us uncomfortable and let her do her thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like I've also experienced similar things when I'm like, okay, should I be posting this right now? What family members are going to be seeing this? Or even people from my past that have seen me as a certain way, maybe before I spiritually awaken. And the more that I've let that go, the more that I'm just like, you know, they're either going to understand it or they're not. And this is me just being me. And, you know, even thinking about, I need to maybe censor this from Facebook or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, it really takes away from you being able to have that freedom of just being authentically you. And I know that sometimes it does create certain feelings in family members or people that don't understand, but I think in the long run, at a soul level, I still feel like everybody understands at a soul level if they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you just have to trust it. Mm-hmm. Let them download the codes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, ain't nobody got time for feeling <laughs> for managing other people's emotions, you know? Just yeah. like, yeah, whatever, this is me. And like you can try to fight me with a Bible verse or something, but it's just like, <laughs> do I really have time to look that up and like ponder how you feel about me? Yeah being authentic. No, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So get out of my way or like be okay with me not responding. (laughs) Yeah. I remember talking about, especially this past last year, just talking about angels so much to my parents throughout the whole health process. Sometimes they'll just walk in on me talking to my angels and I'm like, do they think I'm crazy? And then I'm just like, you know what? The more I did it, the more they just actually became accepting of it. And then it almost was like, it sparked this remembrance in them as well. And even though they may not talk to angels like I do, I feel like there was a shift in them as I stepped more into my comfortability with just being open around them. So that felt that felt very empowering too. I love that. Yeah. It's true. I think everyone does have an awareness of what truth and love feels like, and they can only throw stones for so long before Mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, yeah, I feel it too. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like even for those that aren't necessarily awakened to this consciousness, do you feel like everybody has a role to play in the new earth? Because when I think of the new earth, when I envision it too, it's like this heaven on earth, like we were you were talking about. And I also see almost like a village of these different people. There's the medicine woman, there's the shaman, there's the the yogis, you know, there's really all these different people coming together, people with different skills and different healing modalities that are there to support each other. Do you feel like everybody has a role to play in the new earth, even if they aren't necessarily awakened? I do think that the heart center is my microcosm for studying this. And there are different levels at which people engage. We have the leaders of the community who have been awakened at some level. It just That's required to be in leadership. And I don't even consciously make these decisions. It's just a frequency thing that elevates certain people at certain times. Mm -hmm. And um, there are entry-level positions like being a karma yogi that like helps with the studio in exchange for free yoga classes. And I think people at that level might not be awakened yet sometimes, but being in the energy and like doing this service is an initiation. And afterwards they become, you know, maybe a paid staff member or they rise in the ranks somehow to hold a position of leadership because they've gained the experience to have something to share. Right. And so I think the new earth does involve a place for everyone to kind of trust their own experience and then share that. Mm -hmm. I think that the new earth empowers experience of everyone has something to offer if they're consciously navigating anything. And then you complete that journey and then you become a mentor to everybody who needs that wisdom. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I I see what you're saying with that as well, because there's different, I guess not levels, but different chapters of evolution in the new earth and whatever chapter you're in or whatever frequency that you're in, you having that awareness is able to help someone else that may be going through that journey as well, whoever it may be. So you may be able to reach other people while as someone like a karma yogi may be able to reach others that 
you also can reach, but they have more of that connection with them at that time. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, as I kind of own my own native frequency, the less I have capacity to tend to everyone, I can really only tend to the people closest to me. Like my manager essentially is the only one that I like really communicate with about all the things because it's too much of a burden for me to entertain everybody's desires and everybody's Mm -hmm. problems. And it's actually not healthy for me because I have a role to play in protecting my energy so that I can really hear God and mm-hmm. hear these direct transmissions of what, where I need to go, where we need to move next. Yeah. And um, so it is very important for everybody to have a role, for everyone to be a leader and for everyone to kind of have their own herd of sheep in a way to care right. for Right. And and in that process, you become a leader. And then after kind of a period of passing on your wisdom, then you move along and you let those people become leaders. And then maybe you free yourself a little bit and, and learn again. Yeah. Right? Take on another chapter of leadership. Right. But we all need to take turns between like leading and following. Yes, definitely. And through that, we learn so much about ourselves, about the collective as well. And what you were saying about the new earth, how we do have this role to play, especially if people are willing to be part of this movement. Do you feel like there's going to be a separation for those that really don't want to be part of this, that basically think this is this crazy thing, like you all are crazy people speaking this woo-woo stuff? Do you feel like that separation is going to be distinct? And also, what does that mean? That's always been something difficult for me to wrap my mind around. But Dolores Cannon, who was the person who coined the term New Earth, talks about how there's almost like a splitting of cells of like the old earth and the new earth of how like people whose frequency is more of the 3D earth, more like patriarchal, top down, and choose not to ascend in consciousness with the new earth will stay on the frequency of the old earth. Yeah. And the people who choose the new earth frequency will be over here. But everything is energy anyway, right? It's not like defying the laws of physics, you know, to, you know, we're creating it in the quantum, two different realities that are still kind of um, from the same source. I do think that the 3D is destined to demolish itself. Mm. Um, because that is the way of the patriarchy. It's an inverted life structure where men rule over women (laughs) and Mm. violence takes down the power, you know? And so it's just, it eats itself. So anyone who wants to participate in that gets to participate in that fate and they'll get reborn to learn the next lessons. But anyone who wants to participate in this reality has a choice to ascend. And then the new earth is destined to thrive because we know how to care for each other and the planet yeah, yeah. This is going to be a cosmic headshot, but I want to I want to pick your brain about this. If somebody, so I believe that, you know, we choose the lessons that we're going to learn in this lifetime. We choose whether or not we're going to awaken or not. If somebody chooses that they aren't necessarily going to awaken in this lifetime, do you feel like they have free will to still awaken? If their soul chooses, oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. I don't really feel like awakening in this lifetime. Do you feel like if something switched in them where they, I mean, we have free will as souls, right? What if that free will for them was, you know what? I want to be part of this movement. Mm, I think so. I think that time is an illusion, right? And so I'm time traveling all the time during healing sessions where maybe my soul chose to experience trauma. And then now my soul is choosing to go heal it. And so I go back and I undo it and it's like, it never happened. And it puts me on a new timeline. So, and it's all happening simultaneously just because I was three when I chose to have trauma and I was 35 when I chose, Nope, that's not my truth anymore. Right. Like there's no order in which one decision dominates. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I feel like we have a choice still in the 3D realm and even if that initial blueprint we created for ourselves didn't say like, "Hey, you're going to do this XYZ." I still think that we have power over that in the 3D realm, especially if it's for the highest good of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I know that we've been chatting for a while now, and I kind of want to dive a little bit more into the healing work that you do as a healer, because I feel like that's really interesting. And Mm. I feel like listeners would love to learn a little bit more about what you do. But I know that you are a shamanic Reiki healer. That's a healing modality that you specialize in. And I'm wondering if you could explain the difference between a Reiki master healer and a shamanic Reiki master healer. Oh, well, technically I am a Reiki master healer Mm -hmm. and I just incorporate a lot of shamanic work into what I do Mm -hmm. um, because I see parallels between the two healing modalities. And the more I experience healing from healers from various modalities like hypnosis and Mm -hmm. craniosacral, even massage and just chakra healers, crystal healers. Uh, I start to find parallels between all of them and I start to just download them into what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I call myself a shamanic Reiki healer because I've taken some tools from shamanic journeying and soul retrieval that I like to incorporate into my Reiki sessions. And I'd say the difference is with Reiki, it's a lot of etheric energy coming down to earth. And then with shamanic energy, it's a lot of earth energy coming up into the body. And um, depending on the condition of my client, different medicine is needed. And there are a lot of high vibrational people, a lot of star seeds who get imbalanced and they want to escape this reality. And in order to bring them back into the earth, a lot of shamanic tools are needed to bring this sense of safety and peace that mother earth is here as part of us. And mother earth is here to love us. And mother earth is here to enjoy us. And the animals and the plants here are here to be part of us. Um, And that is really important medicine for star seeds. Versus maybe somebody who is very asleep and in the matrix, I can give them a pure Reiki session and that's going to help elevate them and lift them into higher frequencies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the shamanism aspect, I learn a lot directly from my ancestors and a lot of it is just downloaded into me. And with Reiki, I feel like I've been chosen to pass on the lineage as well. It wasn't really like my ego driving the decision to lead my first Reiki training or even take my yeah. first Reiki course. And I felt that little messengers in the form of friends and community members were like, will you teach me Reiki? And I was like, mm-hmm. what? You know, and um, then I said, okay. (laughs) And then I kept being asked. And so I continue to offer and I feel very supported by the Reiki masters before me and connected with them. Mikao Usui and Dr. Hayashi and Mrs. Takata. I I work with them a lot to facilitate these trainings and to pass on the wisdom of the lineage. Well, I'm so grateful that you received that calling and that you followed it because I got to experience that with you as well. I mean, going through that health journey that I did last year and knowing that I was somebody that was a lot of the time in my higher three chakras, (laughs) going through that Reiki session with you and really being able to understand the underworld Mm -hmm. a lot more and how that actually helped with my healing of finding that balance with the upper world and the underworld and going Mm. through that experience with you was so invigorating. I'm trying to find the right word to, to really describe the process, but that's something that I've never done before, at least in this lifetime. And Mm. it just felt like I was meant to experience that with you because I think with the spiritual journey, a lot of the times people can get lost in their higher chakras. And when you're able to really ground yourself and come back to Mother Earth and remember that this physical vessel is from Mother Earth, that's really what I got from that Reiki session with you. And I think that that was wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, there's something so grounding. Like the lower world is pure. You know, it's very sacred and holy and and mother earth is not meant to be rejected on this journey of ascension there's the upward path of ascension to transcend the limitations of this earth but equally important is the downward energy flow of manifestation and mother earth is shakti you know the feminine yeah. and father sky and consciousness is is shiva Mm -hmm. Um, our our imagination the infinite potential of the universe the multiverse and um you can't have one without the other right and Mm -hmm. so yes part of the journey is to ascend but 
it's not complete until we come back and manifest and it just keeps going right with each inhalation and exhalation we're cycling through these polar opposites and this duality yeah Yeah. what does it feel like to receive that calling to step into these healing modalities and to learn more about them Mm. I'm not your typical person who takes a ton of trainings before I feel qualified. I often allow my own integration process to show me how to authentically repackage what I've integrated and share what I know from an authentic place. Because if I take in too much, I end up getting lost. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And every so often spirit will give me a light bulb and say, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do next. Mm -hmm. But I always advise for myself and my students don't overload yourself with information. Like that is kind of a grasping mentality of, Oh, I don't know anything. I need to learn more. I need to learn more. I need to learn more, but there's only so much you can take in and integrate. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when you read a roomy poem, right, mm-hmm. it takes half an hour sometimes to just break it down and integrate it. And so that's the kind of training I like to offer. And that's the kind of training I'm drawn to is where there's a lot of like experience and wisdom and depth coming from the teacher mm-hmm. and space for me to integrate and come up with my own wisdom and depth. Oh, I love that space for you to integrate and come up with yourself because also we, as we're learning, we have so much to pull from different lifetimes, from what we've learned in different incarnations and different worlds, different places, different planets, really. So I love, I love that you said that. Mm, that's kind of what my Reiki trainings are like. And shout yeah. out to William Lee Rand too, for, oh. you know, providing class templates that I've used in my past Reiki trainings that really give space for each person to download their own experience, process it and share it because that's, that's what makes a leader, right? That's what makes a teacher. That's what makes a healer. Somebody who understands their own healing process and works through it and then can pass that on to their client, Mm -hmm. give their client the opportunity to heal themselves. Definitely. What would you say has been the most transformational healing modality for you? And which one is your favorite to use for others if you have one? Mm -hmm. Definitely vinyasa and yin yoga are probably the hardest for me and therefore the most powerful. But also, you know, I think that everybody has something that they're really good at, that they're meant to just share openly. And for me, that's kind of energy healing. I think I have it from past lifetimes. And then being a star seed <laughs> has always been hard. It was very painful for me to like sit in these yoga postures and just like breathe through them. And it was really confronting for me to stand up in front of a class and try to teach it and be seen and share my creativity and my voice and my music and my flows mm-hmm. with people. And it was a long time before I felt comfortable doing it. And um, so for me, I think the more difficult path is the more rewarding usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I do love how much I can help people with the Reiki and the shamanism. Yeah. yeah. It's honestly something that lights me up. I love exploring other dimensions in my mind and like honing my skills for seeing and interacting with the non-physical realms and the non-ordinary reality. Yeah. Yeah. And being someone that has experienced your yin yoga classes and reiki and just being in your energy overall i'm so happy that you do what you do and Mm. that you're able to share your light with others i received that thank (laughs) you (laughs) so what is coming up for you in 2024 what are you feeling like you want to bring to fruition or is there anything any other roads or pathways that you want to go down Definitely calling in the pathway of love and connection. Oh, yeah. I've had this vision of my new earth space just being seated in my temple, seated in my temple and initiating the people who are ready to be, I'm just hearing the word Christed by the the (laughs) goddess, right? But keeping that firm boundary around the temple, like, no, you're not ready. No, you're not ready. Oh, you're ready. Come on, let's do this. Let's Mm -hmm. enjoy life. Let's transcend consciousness. So definitely Eros and passion and feminine beauty is is the path that I'm leaning towards. I want to invite play and silliness and lightness into my life. Yeah. Um, Travel and pleasure. Mm -hmm. All of that. 
And meanwhile, you know, maintain the beautiful foundation I've set for the heart center community. The heart center means so much to me to touch on a previous question of, you know, it's such a gift. Sometimes I don't even realize that it all happened through me. I'm just like, yeah, great to be here. Hi friends. I love you all. You're an indispensable. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm so grateful for that foundation that I have beneath my feet so that I can kind of finally rest into lightness and like receptivity because I think I've earned it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. You are. (laughs) This year is meant for you to receive, to receive, receive, receive. (laughs) It's the year of the dragon too, which is my year. I'm going to be Oh, it is. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Stepping into your power for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we wrap things up, I'm wondering if you're okay with doing a little quick spiritual Q&A. Just wrap some rapid fire questions. There's just a few questions. The first one is, which Ascended Master do you like working with the most? Mm. (laughs) I just read the Sophia Code. Amazing. Um, and I resonated with all of the goddesses, but specifically Kuan Yin has mm-hmm. been appearing to me and she went through a very traumatic upbringing and severe trauma and her divine masculine counterpart sat with her and helped her heal all the way through. Wow. And just the amount of surrender, the amount of trust and the amount of like healing she had to do, but being completely held through the process is just so inspiring to me. And I resonate because I also had a lot of trauma growing up. And it's also been really terrifying for me to like lean into support from the masculine, but she initiated me recently into this way of being like very clearly felt like Mulan going to the matchmaker and she gave me a bath and like dressed me up and was like, okay, get ready for your juicy new divine feminine way of being. And yeah, yeah, so so she's most present in my life right now. And also just culturally sharing similar um, frequencies is, is really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I haven't read the Sophia code yet, but it's on it's on my list and I can absolutely relate to that culture aspect of it as well. Um mm-hmm. my parents talk about Kuan Yin all the time and growing up I didn't really understand that and then learning that she's an ascended master, I am excited to dive more into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and for the second question is which planet is your favorite and which one do you feel called to the most oh venus right now you know (laughs) all this love and beauty (laughs) yeah yeah comes from venus but i love jupiter too you know (laughs) expansion gives good luck yeah i love all the planets i'm an astrology person so Me too. I'm I'm way more interested in it nowadays as well. Yeah. Um, but I also feel called to Venus. And for some reason, I felt like you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then for the third question, what is your human design and your authority? Oh, my human design is a manifester, which mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of alluded to when I was talking about yeah. needing a lot of space to myself and needing to protect my energy so that I can receive the bigger inspirations. Um, My authority is um, emotional. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering what your authority was. Mine's emotional as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just going to go with that gut feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been such a juicy, expansive conversation And I'm so thankful that you were so open to being a guest on my podcast. So thank you, babe. Such an honor. And now I want to nerd out on your podcast. (laughs) I'm not someone who usually listens to things because I just like silence, but I just, after this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know your episodes are probably all so good. (laughs) Thank you. Nerd away, whatever you want to do. (laughs) And for listeners that aren't already following you, how can they connect with you and get to know you better, work with you? Yeah, they can follow the business on Instagram at Heart Center for Awakening, or they can follow my personal page, which is at journeywith.faith. Otherwise, you can check out my website, www.theheartcenterforawakening.com. 
Wonderful. And also, if you're in the Seattle area and you haven't been to the Heart Center yet, make sure to check it out. There's a bunch of offerings. There's even some dance as well. So, <laughs> yes, I'm awesome. really excited about the ecstatic dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you again, Faith. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I appreciate you all. And I will catch you all in the next episode. I'm sending everyone so much love and so much light. Bye. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you received whatever light codes you were meant to receive today. And if you're enjoying this podcast so far, please don't forget to leave a review and give this podcast a rating before closing out. It really does help my podcast out. And in turn, this helps make a positive ripple effect on our collective vibration. And as a bonus, if you do leave a review, screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram at Illuminate with Lizzie. Once I receive confirmation of your review, I will be sending over a free angelic meditation where you can connect with your angels. So again, all you need to do is screenshot your review, send it to me over on Instagram. And once I receive it, I'll send you a link to that angelic meditation that helps you connect with the angelic realm. Thank you again, everyone for your support. And I will see you all again very, very soon. Bye everyone.